0: Edit edit audio. What's up, y'all? Welcome to season two of The Teardown, a podcast hosted by me, Vegas Inc., hopefully still your favorite polarizing tattooer. Every episode, I sit down and chat with amazing guest artists, and we dive in more intimately on the politics of the tattoo industry, as well as some topics I feel are more relevant in contemporary tattooing. The thing that consistently frustrates me is how enormous and how ongoing of a problem it is that people are having really harmful tattooing experiences. In this modern, like, neo-colonial westernized place, there's so many barriers where it's like, even if you do get an apprenticeship, you're working for free. When I'm in the room, I'm acutely aware of the success of Revival. So, you know, the fact that Māori can go out, open a studio, have economic security... Wear Mukul cool without persecution. Those are all huge milestones. So, now that we're all set up, let's get started. Are you ready? So, I wanted to do this solo episode. And at the time when I had the idea, there was a lot happening. And I started to feel really disconnected with the industry as a whole felt kind of lost and like lost that drive, lost that excitement of the possibilities and where we could go with tattooing. And I wanted it to act as almost like a, like a diary entry. And while I still feel a lot of the ways that I felt at the time, but time has passed and I've kind of evolved from that original thought but those feelings are still there. I started tattooing during a time where I was very marginalized and really my only options or at least a lot of people made me feel like was homelessness, jail or dead. And it came at a time where I was like really like reckless and aimlessly kind of just going through life without even thinking about what my future was going to look like. I grew up in, in group homes uh, or within the state. And there's like these transitional periods that happen. You turn 16 and potentially move out on your own. You turn 18, you're living on your own. Your workers no longer support you. You turn 21 and they no longer support you and they no longer financially support you. Every year with the coming years was like a ticking time bomb for that 21. So I never saw life past past 21. I didn't really see life past 18. So I lived that way. I started getting tattooed pretty young and I felt very at ease when I used to get them done and and I didn't really feel super intimidated. And I I recognize that a lot of that could be uh, the privileges of being biracial and light skinned. And just also luck that I didn't come across some creep at a tattoo shop. When I started tattooing, I had finally found some sort of stability. I was renting a room in a house with a couple of other queer folk. And I was literally tattooing in this bedroom. <laughs> and, I, and mind you, I did ask somebody how I could get into it. And they had seen my drawings and they told me that I could teach myself and not to worry about an apprenticeship. I think I learned very quickly that an apprenticeship would have been beneficial. But I was not in the in the predicament to be able to do that. And I didn't have the capacity then. And I don't think I would have been able to sustain. I was already sort of financially supported and dependent on the tattooing. But I was too angry, <laughs> too opinionated, so uh, adverse to authority that I don't think that it would have... Would have been a great situation for me. And back then, apprenticeships were a lot worse than what they are now. But I had posted that I was tattooing online and received this very angry, very critical message from some white man, I don't know who he is, telling me how embarrassed I should be, just like really ripping into me. And in that moment, I remember getting that message on Facebook and being like, should I just cuss this white man out or maybe I can use this opportunity to ask some questions. And it was probably really my first time, like engaging in humility with such intention. I just said, you know what? Like, hey, thanks for the feedback. Unfortunately, this is like something I really want to do and I care about it. And so if you can, I'm going to continue anyways. So you could either give me some advice or like best of luck. I don't know. And he gave me some advice and I carried it with me. Every year I did tattooing it became my priority. It was to be a better artist, to be a better tattooer, to provide a better service to people. I was, like I said, disenfranchised. So a lot of my community was like other poor folks living in the hood. Like it wasn't so much about like making so much money or becoming so financially successful within, within that industry. It was just like, I just wanted to get good. I just wanted to get better. You know, it was the thing that, Hey, like, do you want to go out and get drunk and like stay up all night till 6 a.m. I'm like, no, I got a tattoo appointment. You know, even though I was like tattooing in kitchens and bedrooms (laughs) and and living rooms, it was like, no, like I really, really took this seriously. I created goals for myself and wanted to reach those goals every single time. It was like, I hit those goals. I hit those markers. But the time bomb was still ticking. I still didn't see life outside of 21 yet. And, you know, I started tattooing at 17. Coming from a background like that, it's hard to see life, life going and life happening. I, it's hard to explain. I am where I am right now with like a certain amount of intentionality. But I sometimes feel like it was just a lot of good luck and decision making that I just made a choice at some point without even knowing what, what the end goal was going to be with tattooing it wasn't like something where I was like, I'm going to be successful and I'm going to own a studio and I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that. Like, it was truly just something to care about that was greater than myself. I didn't care about myself all that much or I didn't, not that, you know, I, I didn't love myself the way that I deserved to have been loved. And I didn't see much value in what I could provide. And I've done things, you know, organizing community organizing and and other stuff within child welfare but that that was just that felt like a calling that just felt like I was supposed to do those things I was supposed to try to dismantle these systems of oppression for like youth in care and it's you know it was deeply personal to me and to the people that I, I was growing up around but with tattooing it was like mine it was for me it was like so like It was something for me to find value in myself a little bit. I started to take care of myself better. I started to make decisions that would facilitate a space for me to be able to grow as an artist and a tattooer. I turned 21 and the world stopped. It felt like everything just paused. And I took a breath and I was still alive and I was still here. And it was like, okay, well... (laughs) I guess I have like the rest of my life, (laughs) you know, and I have spent every moment since then just wanting to be a better tattooer, a better artist, a better person. And I think this practice, I know this practice, like gave me some stability. It it grounded me. It gave me something to believe in. If I believed in it, I I would in turn believe in myself. I'd have to trust myself through every process. I'd have to encourage myself every night when I would fall asleep crying because, oh my God, did I fuck up this person's body? Like, oh my God, did I cross contaminate? And I'd have to pick myself up the next morning and go, okay, well, you do better this time. In that, I was able to structure myself in other elements of my life and just like grow as like a human, as like a full-fledged person. (laughs) It gave me so much and it continues to give me so much. And I'm so grateful for it. I will I don't think I will ever be able to repay what this practice has been able to give me. I try every day with um, how I interact with my clients, how I interact in my shop, how I interact with my practice. I try every day. and I feel like I owe it that, and I will always owe it that. I'm known largely for a couple things. One, is unfortunately, I don't know why this is even a thing, but uh, tattooing Black and brown people. It's really disappointing that that's even something that could be a niche within the industry. But I mean, that's one. And then two, being hypercritical and just a little too radical with my thoughts and my praxis. You know, I'm like that. And I'm critical of tattooing because I love it so much because I care about it, because I know what it's done for me and I know what it does to, for other people. I know what it does for other artists, for other tattooers. I've talked to tattooers who are like 20, 30 years in the game, you know, folks from other marginalized backgrounds of, you know, that, that time frame, And, um, I know it could be better. I've seen it be better. I've seen it in pockets be better. And that is just like the more optimistic part of me, and how I approach, approach my praxis. Things I've learned in the past few years have been pretty instrumental in creating the person I am today. Or how I see things both positively and negatively. I think the biggest one would be in 2020 when people started to fucking care about things. And people started to listen more. And wanting to learn. Because we had nothing else to do you know, we were locked away. It was probably a height in my visibility, both positively and negatively. I was, or I had already been doing that kind of work, right? Anti-racism work and deconstructing, you know, colorism within tattooing or attempting to, at least within my practice and the people around me and my communities. And it was so like excited. People were being held accountable. People were changing behavior. You know, people were listening, were seeing, were legitimizing the industry, and legitimizing the possibilities that could happen. And then 2021 happened, that started to fizzle out. And we're like, okay, I mean, it's chill. You know, we're kind of all trying to get back to work, like whatever. And then now, nobody gives a fuck anymore. It has been a heavy load to carry with not just myself, but other people, other folks that I'm community with, other tattoo artists, other other black people, other marginalized people just in other industries who are just feeling like, damn, we're really feeling the apathy <laughs> following 2020. Again, I'm like so grateful. Like during that time, I was able to build relationships with other community members around the world. That was the, that's the best part that, that came out of this. I mean, we also crowdsourced at the time to open my shop. So that's another great thing. I got to open a shop from from that moment. But it really sucks that it seems like just nobody cares anymore. And that's what this solo episode was going to be about at the time when I had thought of it, was to discuss how shut down I am from all of it. How I'm, you know, becoming apathetic and disconnected from the work and disconnected from like what I thought we were all here for, what we all believed in. Losing that spark, that love, that joy that I felt within tattooing. I watched so many of like my friends, my comrades, my community members just exhausted, pulling away from tattooing, um, just like more and more depressed. And these are particularly black, black tattooers, you know, black trans tattooers, black femmes. I felt the same and I feel the same. I feel so disappointed in it all. I opened a shop with great intentions and it's doing great. <laughs> it's in a really good place right now. But some things happened. I trusted so many folks within the relationships I built in the last couple of years that we were all aligned. We all believed in the same things, that we had shared experiences and blah, blah, blah. And I learned that that is not always the case. <laughs> it seems like a kind of childish lesson, but it was a lesson nonetheless. And um, some things happened. And... Um, I had to evolve as a person that I don't think I was quite prepared for that evolution. I like visuals. So I describe my career as like, I'm like 12 years in, it was like toddler, you know, just learning how to tattoo. It was toddler. And then 2018, 2019, 2017 I started doing conventions and then I started to travel I started to do guest spots. I was doing all like that fun, exciting, like, like teenage years of tattooing where you're just kind of like, oh, like free and still learning. And it's still so new and it's still so exciting. And like, yeah, you've been doing it a while, but like now you've made all these different sorts of connections and you're learning all these different things. And then also because of my place in being a millennial, I'm also seeing like I was also within the industry when it was like old. You know, when we were still doing certain things, (laughs) certain trends to now seeing its evolution. And I got to grow within that. It's like the same thing as like the computer age. I'm uh, old enough to remember a time when computers weren't so popular and was not in everybody's home. But like young enough to know how to operate TikTok, I guess. And that might sound like an old person thing to say, but I mean, it's true. Within my, uh, my growing and being a tattoo artist, opening the shop, it stunted. Like it stopped. One minute I was like a 15 year old, like tattooer person doing the traveling and da, da, da. and now I'm an adult and I own a studio and I am responsible for not only myself, but for everybody that works there to my partners, my business partners and to my clients and not even just my clients, the shop's clients and the other artists clients. And I have this immense responsibility that I was not prepared for I thought I knew, you know, like very teenager-esque. I know everything. I've been doing this so long. I helped manage tattoo studios. I helped open tattoo studios. I really came in there like, like I'm, I'm going to kill it. And kill it, I did not. <laughs> I, I learned some very hard lessons and I had to grow up quickly, very quickly. And reframe the entirety of like who I was and how I approached being a tattoo shop owner. I mourn a lot of that time when I got to just enjoy being a tattooer, you know, and I'm told every day that I have to be, that I should be proud that I have a brick and mortar business and I own this and, you know, I'm doing this. And mind you, because I don't like financially benefit from the studio at all, we structured it that way. It's harder to feel that because of, you know, capitalism, but I also don't feel that. I can't get to the point of feeling excited about that because I feel like something was taken from me. You know, I was like a fucking street kid. I was just figuring out that like, I don't even live in that life. before I even owned the shop. I was trying to acclimatize to just being a person that was still alive, a person that had a car, a person that had a home and stability and have not been homeless for over 10 years That was already enough for me to wrap my head around. But then to to have to wrap my head around of like actually hitting goals and success points that I didn't even know I wanted for myself, really. And there were some negative things that happened around the shop that I will never understand. It shifted something in me that made me a little bit more pessimistic about the industry as a whole, about the idea of community, about the idea of like a, a shared idea of liberation and whatever, I started to feel like I needed something more, something to engage in my creativity, if you will. And uh that would be fun and exciting, something that I could still be present for while owning a space, so it didn't require me to travel. That would be relatively easy. Yeah, easier. <laughs> and that was starting uh the teardown, the podcast. And I am still very like very excited about it. You know, it gave me another creative outlet and it was another way to share ideas and things that that are important to me, that are important to my tattoo community. I thought it would be interesting and cool because every other tattoo podcast out there is like, they focus on like the traditional, they focus on like the, the figureheads in tattooing and the grandfathers of this and the grandfathers of that. And we don't feel as seen or represented within the industry as we probably should, I have always felt like I have a foot on each side of the spectrum. The traditional industry, which I love and I respect, but it is so white supremacist adjacent and racist, anti-black and queer or it can be. And then the other side of like the more progressive space. I thought in starting this podcast, we'd be able to have a broader conversation about things that I, I feel have started to become commodified and lacking in nuance and lacking in like a critical perspective. And I thought it'd be a good opportunity to bring on artists and other folks who are doing really good work that have experiences outside of tattooing that they bring into their practice that make them such an incredibly interesting person and and tattooer and artist. Season one was so much fun. I feel like it was a lot of fun to listen to. We talked, we dived into like some pretty serious topics I don't know, like it just felt like a key, like if it were kikiing. like it was just so chill. And I, and I really i am happy with the way it turned out. And everything that I have said thus far <laughs> was a part of the thought process. And the things that I that I've been thinking about, everything that I've mentioned. And in speaking with the folks at Edit Audio, you know, I, I did describe where I'm at and how I'm feeling. And we thought it would be a really good way to reconnect me and reground me and like all my beliefs and, and some of that optimism about the potential of change within the industry or the potential or, or the fact that there are folks still out there doing work that is important. My whole thing is this. Tattooing from a, a larger perspective, well, the colonized version at least, is not groundbreaking It is not the most important thing to happen in this world. I don't think it's going to invoke freedom for the rest of us. But it's just another industry, another institution, another um, consumer-based service that Black and marginalized people can access but feel or experience degradation. So for me, on the larger scale of things, is it important? Mm -hmm. But on on a scale of things, is it important? Like, yes, it is. It is important for people to fucking feel good when they're receiving a service. It is important for people who are modifying their bodies or using this experience as some sort of catharsis to not be ostracized and not be disrespected. I think that us as tattooers, sometimes we become jaded to it all, right? It's like, oh, it's just a tattoo. But sometimes it's like the most important thing a person will do in that month. It's like, I'm saving up my money. I am so excited. I've wanted to meet this artist. Oh, I I love their art. I'm going to come out looking like a brand new bitch. Like, just feel good. It's another way for them to feel affirmed in their body. It's another experience that pulls them out of this fucking capitalist hellscape. And no matter what, I believe that that is is an experience that should be valued. And we should do our best to remember that. That's like the more optimistic version. (laughs) I wanted to come back to in creating season two and the conversations this season might not be as quote unquote inspiring or quote unquote optimistic, but they're a reflection of how most of us are feeling right now. And I think they are important conversations for us to have. And, and, and I'll be honest. I think that in some of these conversations that we'll be having, I know that I walked away with more questions than I had answers And I think that maybe you folks, the audience, will walk away with more questions than you've had answers. And I think that's also important, though. Because in those questions, we'll want to find answers. And that's where the work comes in, right? When we're asking questions. So I'm excited about season two. And I'm hopeful that there will be some learning. There'll be some healing. There'll be some catharsis. I know that I'm hopeful that I will come out of it maybe remembering my roots, where I came from, what it's all for, who in the grand scheme of things matters the most in these conversations, which is, you know, the collectors, the clients, the followers, and the artists who are trying to do better and be better. But I really hope that you folks enjoy it and I'm excited for you to hear it. That's it for today's episode, folks. Go ahead and follow at the Teared On Pod on all socials. Also, make sure to leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcasts. The podcast is hosted by me, Vegas Inc. This episode was edited and mixed by Ali Silhua and was produced in collaboration with Edit Audio. Special shout out to producers Kathleen Specker and Melissa Houghton, and I'll see you at our next session.